Hello and welcome to the Chiropractic Student Podcast. My name is Lewis and we're here to talk about all the things you need to know before graduating chiropractic school. We're going to talk to experienced chiropractors and we're going to be discussing the science, philosophy and art of chiropractic. We're going to get tips and hints on how to get through chiropractic school with a deeper understanding of what chiropractic is and truly can be. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Chiropractic Student Podcast. Today we are joined by Peter Amlinger. Peter, what firm is it? Where where are you? It is. I'm in Stratford, Ontario, which is about an hour west of Toronto, and it is six forty in the morning. See, that's dedication. Thank you so much for getting up so early to join us. I I I've been up since five thirty, so it's no problem. I love it. That's amazing. Very inspirational and. I wanted to talk to you after hearing you talk at Cairo Europe this year. It was very inspirational. Um, and to have you on the podcast today, I'm intrigued to see and hear what your recommendations and a little bit about your journey through chiropractic. So how did this all begin? How did chiropractic start for you? Well, so I've been I've been in practice for 38 years. And um and graduated in 1985 but it really it all started back when at the end of 11th grade when I was in the guidance office at the high school I attended which happened to be an all boys catholic high school and I I picked up a book um and it was it was simply the the handbook from Canadian Memorial Chiropractic College. I read the definition of chiropractic in that book and something inside me said, this is what you're supposed to do with your life. And so I said, okay. And, and, um, I went home. I remember it was a Wednesday. I remember that for some reason. And I went home, told my mom I was going to be a chiropractor. And two days later she came to me and said, you know, I was talking to the girls at the hairdressing salon, and I like, why don't you be an optometrist instead? Which I don't know where that came from. It was perfect because me being who I was back then, it just galvanized me, and it's like, no, I'm going to be a chiropractor. And um, and then when I when I came home after the third year of chiropractic college, and I was the top student again, she said, maybe you are supposed to be a chiropractor. So she became my biggest supporter, but and and years later I found out that um, that there was the female chiropractor who went to her hair salon, and she was her she didn't have a pleasant personality, and so because this person was so negative, uh, everyone in the hair salon had a negative impression of chiropractic, which is sad, but just happens to be true. So there there must have been a pleasant optometrist who came in or something I don't know but but I learned something from that so it, you know it, it it's like we're always we're always on so you you always have to be responsible for your attitude and whatnot so so that's how I got my start in it and I never I wasn't I wasn't a chiropractic patient nobody in my family had seen a chiropractor um and and then when I was in my second year of university, I thought, and preparing for my interview uh, for chiropractic, because I had applied to chiropractic college, I thought, well, maybe I better go to a chiropractor because they're probably going to ask 
if I've ever been to a chiropractor. So I went at, and found a chiropractor who was close to the school and uh, went into his office, happened to be a really, really nice, good guy, solid chiropractor. And, um, and then I just had dramatic changes in my health after that, which, you know, got me really excited about it. And, and the rest is history, as they say. I think that's great. Like everyone has such a different entry into chiropractic and yours was in your guidance council office and just so happened to be. And where did, whereabouts did you study? So I studied chiropractic in Toronto at Canadian Memorial Chiropractic College, which is um, not a philosophically strong school. It wasn't really back then either. Um, thankfully, I had... Um, a classmate whose father was a chiropractor, um, and uh, his name was John Whitney. And uh, John was very much into the philosophy and the esoterics of healing as well. So he became a mentor while I was still in school. So I graduated with a firm understanding of the philosophy, and and uh, that got me started. And then the journey that you been on since then you say you've been in practice for 38 years that's incredible um first of all thank you for your service that's incredible thank you but also the journey that you've been on i think hopefully a lot can be learned from your experiences your knowledge your wisdom that you've gathered that some sort of influence might help some students some recent graduates anyone who's just really interested in maybe Peter Hamlinger. What was the journey that you went on in terms of, was it seminars? Was it books? Was it self? Was it, uh, how, what was the journey? Like? So it was, um, number one, I became a student of the philosophy. I got, you know, so I, even before I started chiropractic college, I was reading green books. Um, and, and I believe it's the responsibility of every chiropractic student. And, and I don't care if the school teaches it or not. It's your responsibility to study the philosophy um, and, and make it your own. And, and so, and I, I've also had the, the gift of working with native elders as well. And way back in the day, I worked with an elder who, uh, we were standing on the side of a river one day and he said, you know, I don't want you to take anything I tell you at face value. You go out and test it for yourself and prove it to yourself and see if it works for you in your life. And so I kind of took that to heart. And so I said, just like BJ Palmer said, I'm chiropractic's either a hundred percent right or it's a hundred percent wrong. And I don't care which it is, I'm going to prove it one way or the other. And that's what drove BJ. So, so I said, I'm going to prove this principle, you know, and, um, and so it just keeps proving itself over and over and over again. So, so the first step of that process was becoming a student of the green books and reading them from start to finish, you know, and I know a lot of people, you know, pick up the book and they open it and then, okay, I'll read this paragraph today. BJ was very, he put them together the way he put them together for a reason, I believe. So you have to read them from start to finish and you have to read them more than once as well. So, um, 
So I did become a student of the Green Books, and and I started to look for this universal principle everywhere. And I'm an outdoorsman, so I started looking for it in nature and whatnot, and it just kept proving itself over and over and over again. And then, you know, people started to come into my life. So uh, I, in July of 1990, I went to a seminar called Dynamic Essentials, which Sid Williams put on. Um, and I met on that weekend in July of 1990, I met Clay Thompson. And I met John Grostick Jr. and and others, but I latched on to Clay, and I learned Thompson technique there, and um, and then I just became a regular at DE, and and um, and just surrounded myself and studied with the people that I met there. So I studied with Clay Thompson and Michael Kale and Fred Barge and and. Um, uh, you know, and and John Grostick and like oh a lot of the greats, you know, with Doctor Sid and Dee Dee Umber and and then, and, you know, so I so I just went out and went on a mission to learn technique and to further understand the philosophy, and and I I would still and there's lots of people who can speak the philosophy and teach the philosophy, but. But I think we should get it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So you, you, I think we need to build that platform by reading the green books. And and the whole thing, it, Lewis, is that the, the first, the first, the foundational piece to become a rock solid chiropractor is to have a rock solid appreciation of the philosophy because it becomes our thought platform. E.J. Palmer said, to be a chiropractor, you have to divorce yourself from all previous ways of thinking, right? So you have to learn to think like a chiropractor. And and it's true, our philosophy should inform our science, right? Our scientific questions should flow from our philosophical reasoning. And so, and, and then that informs our art form as well, right? So, so... I think that the the foundation has to be that philosophy, and then that will inspire uh, the techniques you might choose to use and and resonate with and and um, and I think if we as a profession had embraced that and and were more grounded philosophically, we might be doing some different sort of things with respect to the research and whatnot that's being done. One thing I'll, I want to just come back to what you said there was obviously you had that understanding of the green books you'd read them before university and and throughout your college time then you went to seminars and but I picked up on something you said you said you surrounded yourself by the people who are greats who are obviously now the greats but at the time were probably just I say probably just they were they were chiropractors doing their thing um, as we see now was it the educational side of things or being in their presence and being surrounded by them or was it a mixture of everything what was what was the main takeaway from those experiences with that so i i think it was it was really a combination of everything so you know i learned 
my technique from these people. I learned, you know, I, the biggest thing was I, I, I saw people who, who ate, slept and breathed chiropractic. That was their thing. Right. And, and, um, you know, I hung out with Sigafus a lot and, and Richard Santo and, um, you know, and, 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 you know, I used to prepare for my talks at Dynamic Essentials by getting up early and having coffee with Sigafus and, you know, and, and so, um, so I, I really think it was just being in their vibration and, and, um, appreciating their wisdom and, and taking direction from them. And, and most of the time their direction was get quiet and listen to your innate, right? And, and um, so, so I, I think that it, it was, it was really just, and I've never really stopped to pause and think about it. You know, I just knew that, you know, I had a, I sat at Clay Thompson's birthday party July of 1990 beside John Grostick Jr. And he was telling me about some research he had done, which, which proved that 95% of the time, the main interference was here. And he looked at me and he said, what's that mean, Peter? And, and I said, well, it means it's here. And he said, no, it means 95% of the time it's not right. And so I'm an upper cervically focused chiropractor, but I still pay attention to the entire spine because of that conversation with Dr. Grostick. You know, so, so they, they taught me, so I just sort of sat and appreciated their wisdom and they dropped these gems and I was fortunate enough to pick some of them up and whatnot and integrate them into my walk. So, you know, so that has evolved the technique protocol that I use now that where I've taken, you know, um, elements from all, uh, you know, a number of different techniques and molded them into a protocol, which tells me, uh, where to adjust, uh, when to adjust, when not to adjust and the, the order in which to move through to get somebody clear sort of thing. So, so it's, it's really just been an immersion, if you will, I think that'd be the word. I just immersed myself in it. And, um, and how would a student now or a recent grad or anyone like that, a chiropractor right now, find those people that they should, or they want to immerse that? How do you find the people that you want to immerse yourself around? Because it's fine and dandy. Some people saying like if you want functional medicine side of things or a nutritional approach or straight chiropractic or philosophy, there's so many different ways. How would you recommend a student finding the right person? Or tribe? So I, I think that, I mean, at the end of the day, the most important thing with respect to building a practice is building relationships, right? And so the same is true with respect to building ourselves as a chiropractor. It's about building relationships with people who are who are those people and and that resonate with with your style of practice. So so I think um, going to conferences, 
being open-minded and maybe ex- exposing yourself to different things. You know, I, I've always been just an adjust, you know, and a straight chiropractor, hands-on uh, analyzer of subluxations and correcting them. But, um, you know, I was I wasn't shy about going up and talking with Clay or going up to Sigapus and whatnot, and and um, and and asking them for their advice. And so, I think it's about just exposing yourself and 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 going to different experiences like Cairo Europe, and I and I love Cairo Europe. Um, because of the tribe that's there, but you also know that Mark has got Mark is very careful about who he asks to speak there because he he doesn't want he, he doesn't want people there who are not there who aren't there for altruistic reasons, right? So so all these people um, that that I sat with they they were there to help me become a better version of me and help me to develop myself as a chiropractor. There was really nothing in it to them. Sure, I you know, I paid to take their seminars and stuff like that, but that was a fair exchange. And um and they were just there sharing their wisdom with me and they and and, you know, like Clay, for example, said, never throw anything out technique wise build yourself a big toolbox so he didn't expect me to throw away everything I was doing before I studied Thompson technique he said here's another set of tools that you can use to clear people out right and and so um I, I'm I'm all about letting it unfold and and so it's really just about getting yourself out to various conferences dynamic essentials Cairo Europe um you know, if Stu's moving through Europe doing his stuff, get get on to that. I, I'm going to be doing, there's some good technique people. I teach my technique stuff. So just experience. You know, it, it says in the green books that the principle is infinite. Our perception of it's limited. And we can only expand our awareness of it through experience. So that would suggest you got to go out and experience different seminars and and different techniques and and I would really encourage the students to I have a friend and his dad was a chiropractor and when Greg graduated his dad went to him and said listen I want you to make a commitment to me and Greg said sure what he said for the first two years of your practice use nothing but your hands no modalities no needles, no, just your hands. See what you can do for people with your hands by adjusting subluxations. And and Greg shared that with me, and I went, wow, that's really powerful advice, right? Clay used to say, if you add something to the adjustment, you're going to confuse people, yourself mostly, right? But, you know, and Sigafush used to talk about this too, if you... If somebody who's been trained in an outside-in paradigm comes to see you and you're putting ultrasound on them and you're giving them nutritional supplements and you're adjusting them and they respond and they get, well, you know what they're going to think got them better? The ultrasound and the nutritional supplements because 
that's familiar to them, right? Whereas if you take the time to say, listen, we're going to work at restoring the integrity of your nervous system by removing the subluxations over time, and then your body's going to be able to comprehend itself better and you'll move back towards health. And that's a different story than then you've got to support that. It's not a one t- one-off conversation. But if, if all you give them is chiropractic care, and they get better, they gonna they're gonna know it's the chiropractic care that got them better, right? The adjustment and and the removal of the subluxation that that allowed them to heal. So I think that's vital and I would encourage all students to just start with that and see how far it can take you. And and, you know, doesn't mean maybe maybe, you know, a couple of months or three months into care, then you can start making some lifestyle recommendations, but but foundationally restore the integrity of their nervous system first. It goes back to the principle, like you say, with the hundred percent chiropractic is you know, chiropractic is either hundred percent right or hundred percent. Yeah. I just thought when you were talking now, I was like, that makes sense. So there's this other thing. So part, one of the things I, I've done in chiropractic is I was, I was president of my regulatory college for many years, the licensing board. And so, so over here, they always talk about collaborative care models where you've got people, you know, from different health disciplines working together for the benefit of the patient. And so, so then I see chiropractors and they do they do soft tissue work, they do acupuncture, they do nutritional work, they do rehab. And I'm like, how's that collaborative, right? How, how are you going to work with a physiotherapy while you're already doing the physiotherapy or a TCM practitioner, Chinese medicine practitioner, when you're doing it, right? So, so doesn't it make more sense for you to be the best an analyzer and adjuster of subluxations you can be. And then if you think somebody needs acupuncture, refer them to somebody who does just acupuncture. Or if they need, you know, soft tissue work, send them to a massage therapist or a physio. Or And now we're talking collaborative care, right? Send them to a naturopath or a holistic nutritionist for their nutritional needs. And instead of trying to be the jack of all trades, just work at being the best chiropractor you can be and say, this is what I do, and and then build a network of people you can refer to when they need other things. And and I think I, that just makes sense to me, right? It, it, you know, I, I used to sit in meetings with these people who talked about collaborating, but, it's, but you're doing everything, so what's left to collaborate with? Sure, it is true. It's easy for you within 38 years of experience to say this with such certainty. My my experience with it is it's hard to then implement that in life. You have to be very disciplined within practice and your life. How would you recommend, obviously apart from what you, you mentioned about commit to only using your hands... How else would you recommend someone start this journey within that modality of chiropractic only? 
So I think a couple of things. One is there'll be there'll be moments of truth, <laughs> right? Where where the universe is going to test you and whatnot. Um, and 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 I remember coming back. I rem I I I learned very early in practice. You know, so when I I went to CMCC and 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 you know we were basically led to believe that we were able to diagnose as good or better than medical doctors. And I'm talking anything. I'm I'm right. And so um and and I was clinically I was very good. I was graduated at the top of my class, right? But I realized very quickly in practice that people weren't coming to me for another diagnosis. Most people have a diagnosis before they come to see you, or m many, right? Um, and and you're their you're their last sort of resort. So I realized very quickly they weren't coming to me for another diagnosis. They weren't coming to me um, to learn what was wrong with them necessarily. They were coming to me because they wanted to get well, and and uh, and they and and so so they were coming to me because I had something different to offer. So I think out of the gate, early in practice, focus on communicating to your community on what makes you unique as a chiropractor. And, and then go out and do it and get very, very good at it, right? And, be, and so going back to basics, first you have to understand the principle and be able to communicate the chiropractic message in a way that people can understand it. And then you have to be good in a chiropractic clinical sense. You have to be very good with your, with your technique and, and your analysis and whatnot. Um, and then it's about building relationships, right? Like I, I see a lot of younger chiropractors and they graduate and they think they can sit at their computer and write a blog or whatever you guys call them or do a podcast and build their practice. And it's like, how about going out and coaching a soccer team or, you know, like I coached youth hockey for 20 years and, and, um, usually two teams a season. And so I just, I built my practice through the hockey community yeah. and, and by educating people about chiropractic and what made it different and how it could benefit them. And, and, you know, in the two things I did in my office to build my practice was I did a weekly doctor's report for new people where I explained chiropractic. And I did a weekly thought for the week where I just did, it was a one page uh, blurb about chiropractic and and some aspect of the principle and and relating it to everyday life and so people would come in every week and they would read that for their adjustment that would inform the conversation that week and and those are the two things I did and and um, really focused on on letting people know that nobody else could do what I do nobody else is trained to locate and correct subluxations just chiropractors and then you know, certain experiences showed up in my life, that, and they were moments of truth, as I call them. I, I don't know if I told this story in Spain this time, but I was once called to, my sister called, concerned about my mom. And uh, 
and my sister was a bit of a drama queen. So I'm like, well, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to believe her. I'm going to go down and see her tomorrow and and just see how she's doing. So I, I, I got there. It was a Tuesday morning. I remember anyways, my mom was sick. She was, I got there at 10 in the morning. She was still in her bed clothes, which wasn't my mom. She was blue. She was cyanotic and, and, uh, literally curled up in a ball on the couch. I'm like, what's going on, mom? She's like, I, they say I've got pneumonia and I'm on my third course of antibiotics. The doctor has been doing house calls. I've had chest x-rays and I'm just not getting any better. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, the doctor has done everything like exemplary medical care, house calls, the whole deal. So I'm like, well, I could take her to emergency, but everything that should have been done medically had been done. So it's like, well, I'm a chiropractor. I'm going to check her. So I ran my neurokilometer up her neck. She was in pattern. I knew her listing. Um, and so I had her kneel and uh, gave her a knee chest adjustment at C2. Her listing's PRI. I let her sit, rested her. I rescanned her 20 minutes later. She was clear. Her color came back. Half an hour later, she was sitting at the sitting at the kitchen table eating her breakfast. You did tell the things, right? Yeah, and and then you know I got a call the next day that she was in the hospital, and so on the Thursday night I went down to check her, and she was clear. And I'm like, "What's going on?" She goes, "Peter, nothing was happening. As soon as you adjusted me, I felt my body start to respond." And so basically what happened, her, her body started to heal. Her lungs filled up with crap, and she had some respiratory distress, so she needed a little bit of oxygen to get her through that, and and she was fine. And I could sit here for hours and share stories where it's like, well, you know, we, we used to say when I, I got into the practice, when in doubt, adjust. And, and now, you know, I, and I think that's been lost at a lot of the schools and whatnot, but I'm going to tell you, the adjustment is the difference maker for people, and especially the neck. You got to get really comfortable adjusting necks and not, not with rotary brakes. You got to find a meaningful technique that clears out the upper cervical spine and, um, and, and dedicate. I mean, I still do adjusting drills now, thirty-eight years in, right? Because you can always—they're all—you can always get better, right? So, I'm still—I don't think I'm practicing anymore, but I'm still working at improving. Forever a student, I love it. Yeah, you got it. I—I I love it. I honestly, I think I could hear you listen to you talk all day but like you say you could go on for hours if we, if we spoke about miracle stories and the truth there's two more things i just want to run across with you number one would actually be what's your number one green book i know you love the green books if i had to start with a green book where am i going that's a great question and i and i it's hard for me to answer that, but I, so I think everyone should read Stevenson's chiropractic textbook. So that would be the first one. I think Palmer's Law of Life should be one of the early reads because he really breaks it down there. 
And I think The Glory of Going On is a great read because it's one of his latest, his last books. So you get the sense of urgency. You really get to feel BJ's mission in in the glory of going on. So I, I would recommend those three to go. I'm also, you know, volume 18, subluxation specific, adjustment specific. Yeah. Really, um, and you got to read it three times in a row, like BJ said. Um, it's got some of the most powerful philosophy at the front end of the book. It's not an easy read, but I think everyone should read it and study it and look at the and really lock on to the upper cervical spine the way BJ did. And you go on about the upper cervical spine and I I also want to give you like the opportunity to just explain you go around and you, you do seminars, you you adjust, um, you do um talks, but what is it that you're offering? You're coming around Europe soon as well, I know. Um, going to be, we're looking for a date in the fall. So my, I do experiential stuff with, you know, breath work and, and all sorts of, of uh, those. So just helping people break through their crap. But the adjusting protocol is really, um, it, it. so my technique protocol is an upper cervically focused full spine approach that uses either toggle recoil or knee chest. Um, Thompson technique, a little bit of cervical chair, pain condyle lift, and a little bit of uh, of work uh, release analysis to tie in the cranial bone connection. So it's just something I put together, and I have a good friend who who browbeat me into teaching it because he, he's frustrated because he's had a lot of bad adjustments as he travels. He's a consultant as well. His name's Tom Preston. So he, he goaded me into teaching my technique protocol, and, and so I started doing it a few years ago, and I actually love it, and it's just evolved. It's helped me really sharpen it up and whatnot, so we know we've got something that's reproducible um, and teachable, so uh, the people who take it and start to apply it in their offices are reporting that people are clearing out faster and holding better, and they're getting better results, which is what it's all about. I'm going to try it once there when you get the dates. Um, is it okay? I pop the link to everything down in the description below to jump in seminar as well. That would be hundred percent. Well, thank you so much, Peter. It's thanks for having me, Lewis. Podcast. Um, I really, I can't believe that it's like been almost forty minutes. It's just flown by. I really appreciate all of your time and and so does it all of the listeners. So thank you so much. My pleasure. We'll do it again soon. Have a great day, and we'll we'll see you on the Great Red Road, as Sigafus would say.